Episode 3. Welcome to the Linda Mendable Show. They say the hustle is sold separately, and grief will take the place in the hustle can't. In this podcast, Linda will inspire you to feel your passions and pursue your purpose, because your business is more than just a dream. More than just a dream. Hello, love. In this episode, you're going to hear the story of Coach Brett Blair. And we're going to start off things a bit differently. So we're going to start off our story with Brett pretty much speaking about his story. He is a life coach, motivational speaker, author, just all around amazing guy. Pretty much you're going to get his story at the beginning and then we're going to go into the interview so brett is going to speak about basically leaving the corporate world of over 20 years and then transitioning into entrepreneurship it's an amazing story we go in depth in a lot of things especially mindset positivity resilience and also the mindset towards sales You don't want to miss this episode, so make sure you tune in and pay attention. We first begin with the transition of leaving corporate America. At 47 years old, I woke up, realized I was in the wrong career, knew something was wrong. I couldn't quite put words to it. I just didn't feel connected to anything. And I told my wife that I don't, I think I'm in the wrong career. I'm going to quit. And she said, okay, I trust you. So I quit that job and I did the best thing ever. I started my own business. So this was in, in 2007, 10 years ago, June 1st, 2007, I opened a business. It's a recruiting company in the suburbs of Detroit where I was living then. And I went from all the structure of 20 years in the corporate world to no structure at all. And while I love that, I love being an entrepreneur. I, and my business took off. I felt weird not having any structure. I, I, I went from having a boss and meetings and more meetings to none of that. So I did a really, really smart thing. And I hired a coach, Dr. Tom Hill. And he was a professor at the University of Missouri. He subsequently uh, left that job, opened his own business, made a ton of money, sold it, retired from it. And then he had been coaching for several years when I reached out to him. I didn't really realize that, but he's, I found out he's a coach. I hired him to be my coach. And, and 10 years ago now, basically, or 11 years ago, I learned at 46 years old, how to design and live a life on purpose towards a destination that I have set, not a destination set by my parents or by society or other people. And so um, this guy, Dr. Hill, taught me to be honest about my priorities, to really work towards being balanced, and most importantly, I think, to commit to growth, lifetime growth in each of my priorities. And my priorities are, number one, spiritual. My, My number one goal in life is to grow closer to God. Number two is my physical health. So my physical health is more important than anything else in my life, except for my relationship with God. It's more important than my marriage. It's more important than my, my checkbook. It's more important than my children. And I, the reason I say that is I think if I'm physically ill, 
if I'm not healthy, I become a burden to my wife, to my kids, to society. So, and number three for me are my relationships. I put them all in one bucket. So that's my, my wife, who's amazing. My kids, my parents, you, my friends, all think I love people. I'm a people person. Uh, fourth for me is my emotional health. That's thinking correctly. And we can think straight. We can do anything. Uh, fifth priority for me is a combination of my work and continuing to learn, i.e. my bookshelf. I'm a, I'm a huge learner. And then last for me is financial. That uh, if I, I think if I do the first five really well, the, the financial part takes care of itself. And so Tom Hill taught me to live my life according to those, my priorities, which happen to be his priorities, and to commit to growth. So I'm the engineer in me got kind of anal about this, and I made a Excel sheet with color-coded goals and whatnot. As I started to grow and like really get excited about my future, and I, I had left that corporate job, and I was in my own business, excited to grow. My, my wife didn't like what was happening. She, our marriage started to kind of fall apart as I had a, I had a vision of the future over here and, and she literally wanted to retire. And so we eventually we divorced. That was in 2009. And then a few months later, my mom, who at that point was single, she, my mom and dad divorced when I was 18. And then my mom remarried and then her husband, her second husband died of a heart attack. So she's had all that bad luck, but she was living in Florida, single, mid like 67, I think. And called me one day in tears and said that she found out she has a lung disease called pulmonary fibrosis. And that the only way she would live is if she got a lung transplant, which I had never heard of such a thing. And her doctor in Florida said that she should go to Duke Hospital in Durham, North Carolina for that. And so she called me. I'm the oldest child. Called me. We're talking about it. Well, we, we went to Duke to visit them and found out that they would only take her on as a patient if she had family caregiver live with her within 30 minutes of the hospital in Durham, North Carolina. So I moved from Michigan to live with my mother. I was 49 years old then. That was the hardest thing I had done in my life at that point, to live with my mom at that age. And it was like May of 2010, July 1st of 2010, I'm a single board recruiter. So I got an eHarmony and met who's now my wife, our first date. And then a month later, my mom had a double lung transplant and then a couple of months later, she went back home to Florida. And then I had a decision to make. Do I go back to Michigan by myself? Do I stay in North Carolina with this amazing lady? And I, I made the right decision. I stayed. My mom is now perfectly healthy. Six and a half years later, people are always wondering when I say this. story. But so I was then living in Durham, North Carolina, have this recruiting company <clears throat> back in Brighton, Michigan. It's a suburb of Detroit. And the recruiting company was funny. When I left it to help my mom, it actually grew. The, the business grew and started to make more money and do better when I got out of the way, which was a leadership principle. I learned to quit thinking you're all, all that. I realized I was just having meetings and hoping for business instead of working it. And I, I stayed in Michigan or I'm sorry, stay here in Durham, North Carolina. Kim and I got married a year and a half later. We've been now married five years. Congratulations. Uh, we, go to, we go to New Hope Church, which we love. Our third date was to New Hope Church where she was already going. And one thing, Tom Hill, uh, he has a lot of sayings and I've modeled my life around him, but he's always telling his coaching clients to write a book. He says, everybody has a book in them. 
Dwayne Dyer says this too, that everybody has a novel. You should, you should figure out what your novel is. So I wrote a book, which is right here. And I, I get, it's, it's from autopilot to authentic, which is sort of my story, my memoir of how I went from the job, life I had, which it was a great life, but it was a life that wasn't really authentically mine to a life where I'm, I'm living my life, which is that bird in the middle there. But I give credit to Tom Hill, how the philosophies of Dr. Hill can help you live your exceptional life. And so Tom is still my coach. He's 82 years old. We have a coaching session once a month. Amen. In December, he and I and Kim ran a half marathon in Kiowa Island, Florida, or uh, South Carolina. So he's, he's still running at 82. I love that. Uh, he's an amazing guy. So about three years ago, maybe, I was living here, running my business, doing my thing. And I'd, I would see people all the time that they would ask me, how'd you do that? Like, how'd you go from being a, a nerd engineer to quitting that job? Like quitting, I didn't get fired. I quit and, and starting your own business and, and all. And I said, well, I luckily I learned before it was too late that you don't have to trade time for money, like on a treadmill, like a hamster in a wheel. If you, you ought to figure out what you like and go do that. If you know what you love to do, do that. Don't, don't do something you don't like. And then I, I finally realized I'm being a hypocrite because I don't, I don't love my recruiting business. I, I like it a lot more than my, I call it my life in the cubicle, but I love coaching people. And I, I was coaching people all the time, yet not really declaring it as, as a profession. And so I decided, okay, I'm going to go to my third career. So I'm now, I, I, if people ask me what I do, I'm a life coach. Here's my logo, by the way. <laughs> That was, in a nutshell, Brett's story. Wasn't that an amazing story? So he went from 20 years as an engineer, left it, then went into having some ups and downs in his personal life and having a light at the end of the tunnel, hope restored, of course, um, by meeting now um, the woman of his dreams, Kim. Hey, Kim. And now he is pretty much a life coach doing what he loves to do. And so we're going to get into the interview. I hope you guys enjoy. I mean, Brett's story is truly amazing. You guys are going to get so much more um, in the second part. Hey, Brett, welcome to the show. So if you can tell the audience a bit about you and your background and just just all the awesome awesomeness that Coach Brett Blair is. I'm a life coach and I, I own a recruiting business also. I'm an author. I'm a speaker. I'm a, I do workshops. But at the core of it is I love to coach people. And I see people every day. I can tell by looking at them that they're literally trading time for money in a job that's not right for them. A lot of people are brainwashed around money. They, they put too much emphasis on money or they think they're too old to make a change or they think they have all these fears that are not really accurate. So my mission in life is to, to shake those people and say, look, you don't have to live that way. And so I, I wrote this book and then I later wrote another book with Tom Hill. We wrote this together called Living at the Summit. I love writing. That little boy in me, the eight-year-old, is back. And I, one thing I ask people when I coach them is, if, if you didn't have to make any money, just imagine that if you, you were wealthy and didn't have to make money, what would you do? 
And I know what I would do. I'd be a writer because I love to write. So I'm now coaching people. I've got like 14 clients. I coach monthly. I'm getting my PhD in psychology at Capella University. I'm a year, like a little over a year into that. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. It's yes. so much work. Oh, I can imagine. <laughs> it, it, it's homework. I don't have <laughs> it, it's homework every week, every day. And, but uh, I'm doing a dissertation on resilience. I have, a, I have a huge curiosity around why do some people go through trauma in life and actually grow? That's called post-traumatic growth. And others go through trauma and shrink. And in my life, my, my son, Patrick, he's 26 years old, but he had a really tough childhood. His, uh, like from 12 to 18, he was very depressed and suicidally depressed. And it was a real tough time as parents and for him. He, he went through a really dark stage, as a lot of teenagers do. But he's thriving now. The kid is just doing so great. Oh, healthy. that's so good. Uh, he's healthy and happy and, and successful and, and just thriving. Um, my ex-wife committed suicide three years ago. Oh, my goodness. I'm so sorry. Thanks. And I'll, I'll never figure out why, but I want to know why. Why? You know, I mean, she, she was set financially and she did that. And my son went through a really tough time and he's thriving. And, and what's the difference? And so I'm curious. And I, and I, uh, another thing I love is the whole field of positive psychology. It's just, to me, I've been attracted to that ever since I first read uh, Flourish, Martin Seligman wrote a book called Flourish, that the whole field of psychiatry and psychology historically has been aimed at helping sick people improve to some better place. But there's been no, until the last 20 years, no real science around how do you take a healthy person and, and help them grow. And I love that because that's what I'm trying to do. And, and I love to coach people. They're generally healthy, but they're stuck. And how can I coach somebody to be more resilient before the next lump of tragedy hits them? Because mm. we all go through different seasons, right? Yep. And if we don't, nobody gets a free pass from that. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's absolutely <laughs> part of being a human being. And I know you've done it and I've done it. We've grown through it, but some people don't. A lot of people, the, the first big rough patch they go through will set them back. It doesn't have to. They can, they can grow. So um, I'm, part of what I'm researching is what are the things a, a coach can do with a client or what can a person do by themselves to improve upon their resilience? And it's interesting that some of the uh, techniques that are used in positive psychology have a direct correlation to, to improving resilience, including a simple thing as a gratitude journal. Yeah. And See? what is, what is positive psychology? If you can go in, into that. Yeah. It's a quantitative study of, of the, um, what a word <laughs> behaviors and traits. What, what can a person do to grow in their positivity, in their happiness in their flourishing. And, and there's a science around that of, of studying, for example, gratitude. People that adopt a habit around gratitude in writing a gratitude journal is one way of doing that, become more resilient. Wow. People, there is a, a psychologist at University of North Carolina down the street. Her name is Barbara Fredrickson, who wrote a book called uh, Positivity. And I have it on my bookshelf. Let me get it. 
<laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Now, not, she lives just down the street. I haven't met her yet. But this book is scientifically proves the case that if you'll surround yourself in your life with a ratio of three to three to one or greater of positive versus negative influences, that, that's the tipping point, three to one of thriving, of, of better physical health, better emotional health. And as an individual, if, you're, if your day is three to one, more positive and negative, or in a marriage, if the two of you communicate that way, or if in a work team, a team of people that has a ratio of three to one will outperform any other team. It's full of science, but it's all back to this whole notion of, of positive psychology. And I love that stuff. And then there's also, you can't have too much, like 11 to one is like the too much point. So you if can't you have, have too much positive? Well, too much is a 12 to one is too much. Wow. So you yeah, have to have a balance. Yeah, because there's a, what's the word? You can't uh, ignore the reality of the negativity that's really out there. Mm. And just to fake a smile all day is not the point. The, the point is to surround yourself with positive people, to read positive information, to to turn off the turn off the news. That's one good way of getting rid of negativity. I just ignore um, develop positive habits, exercise. And when I coach people, it comes down to that stuff. It's who you hang out with. And a lot of people are stuck around thinking to, to change their friends is rude. Well, get over it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even family members, yes. they don't have the right to steal your joy or to, or to hold you back. And we, we know that it's oftentimes our, our family members that don't want us to change. Yeah. I'm going through a point that like, I don't have time to doubt. I don't have time to do that. I don't have time to doubt. I don't have time to go in through like, oh, I, you know, this negative thinking about myself because I need to make quick and fast decisions in order to progress to the next level or to get things done. Yeah. Well, and I, because I, I think behind your eagerness to get things done, you have a clear vision of what you're, where you're going. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're not, you're not just being blown around by other people's opinions and are all that. But I think it's fascinating how, how the goal of being happier scientifically is shows that it has impacts on your health wow. and on your, and people make more money who are happier because they're more productive because they're, they wake up every day in a healthy body. Amen. They don't miss work. They don't miss work. They don't go to work with addictions and they just wake up, you do your thing, you go home, you're a good husband or a good wife, you're a good parent, you get a good night's sleep. It's a, it's a, a cycle that builds on itself. Tom Hills taught me that personal discipline leads to personal freedom. I love that. You know, it, it sounds on one hand, personal discipline sounds like, oh, it's just all work. Blah, blah. No, it's doing the little things every day that put the odds in your favor and like Pastor Benji talks about living within the guardrails, for Watching example, in your lane. Yeah, stay in your lane and, and not going out of the guardrails and into the ditch. So eating healthy, if you eat healthy, pretty much all the time for many years, you'll be healthier and being healthier, you'll have the personal freedom of less illness. And if you uh, don't drink and drive, then you have the freedom of not going to jail or, or not causing a wreck. And if you don't spend more than you make. You have the freedom of not getting in debt and living in financial bondage. So I love that. And one of my goals is to have an incredible amount of fun. And we travel all the time. 
We, I see. We, I see that in your in yeah. your Facebook. <laughs> and we 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 totally are in alignment with that. that. That costs some money that we could otherwise buy stuff, but we don't. We're not really after stuff. We're after experiences. experiences yes, that that's what matters because at the end of the day, the stuff is gonna just yes, fade away. Yeah, but experiences and, are what's really going to last and make an impact. And to me, it's experiences with other people. Amen. If you see us on Facebook, we're always visiting people because to to me, I just love people. And and one reason it's funny when I uh, opened my recruiting business, I just start getting involved with the church where I was living. And I ended up, I was, I was teaching the youth group, high school kids uh, once a week thing. And I had never done that before. I didn't feel at all qualified for it. And my, my son was actually at home, not going to church then. So I'm I'm teaching his schoolmates while he's at home. That was kind of awkward. But I read the book, The Prayer of Jabez. You ever read that? No, no, I haven't read of that. Uh, I heard of prayer circles. I've memorized. So there's a little bit of prayers in the it's in the Old Testament. And this guy Jabez prays to God for four things. He prays to God to 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 bless him because it, if God blesses him, then he's able to bless other people. Through, through that. He prays for God to expand his territory, which means to reach more and more people. Wow. He this prays like, for this God. guy sounds like me, not playing. Yeah, <laughs> the, the third prayer is for God to uh, lift him up as he does things he's never done before. And the fourth is to uh, keep him from sin. So I, every day we, we, we lived in a house that had like a. That's a great a book. I'm going to have to put that in the resource. Uh, prayer yes. of Java. You'll love it. Well, I, I read that. And it, for some reason, it just totally got me. Like I, I literally prayed that every day and I'd walk to, we had a long driveway to our, to the front where the mailbox was to get the newspaper. And I would say this prayer every day before I went to work, dear God, please bless me because it's through your blessings to me that I can bless other people. Please lift me up and please expand my territory. Please help me to reach more and more people. Please um, lift me up as you asked me to do things I've never done before and then, and please keep me from sin. Amen. That's a great, Oh my gosh. That's so good. But then I would go to my office and sit in my cubicle and open up my computer and spend 12 hours behind an Excel sheet wow. and then go home, go sleep, get up in the morning, do it again. So I'm saying a prayer to live this and I'm living a complete different life. And, and that was part of the, the awakening I went through to, to realize that I wasn't doing what I should be. So I started a recruiting company, which is infinite in its potential to touch new people. And I have a coaching business with, I've got 87,000 Twitter followers. It's 8 billion people. It's pretty close to infinite of how many people are out there that I can, I can touch. And, and I love, love, love that. I love that. Wow. I'll never, I will never have a chance to, to say hi to every one of them, but. That's so cool that you have that perspective though, you know, because not everyone has that. And, you know, the more people I speak to and connect with, you know, you can see um, different people's mentality um, on how they, they basically, you know, when they speak with someone and including like my own you know, one of the things for me, like I consider myself not so much as an extrovert, but an introvert, just because when I do speak with someone, it takes a lot out of me, 
you know? And if I'm in a room with a lot of people, it's really hard for me to like, you know, engage with so many people. So for me, it's more easily, I can connect with one person at a time for me, more easy. Yeah. So what would you say to someone that's, because I, I see that you're an extrovert. Well, I don't, honestly, I don't think I am. No. I, I know that speaking in public, getting on stage is important. And, but I'm much better one-on-one. I, I think you would know that. I, I, I love people, but I want thousands of friends, not five, <laughs> not five friends. And, yes. And I love taking one. I like speaking to an individual, a lot more listening than speaking. And when I'm coaching people, it's a lot of listening and, and trying to tune into the, the story underneath the story mm-hmm. and to break through bad patterns of thinking and kind of give a new idea. I'm a, I believe in this, it's a humanistic approach to coaching. But if you throw me in a, in a room of people at New Hope Church, I'm going to talk to the three or four that I know. Yeah. It's, not, it's not my nature to go around meeting people I've never met before. Now, getting on stage is a little different. It's different, and yes. I had, I'm sure you're good on stage. I, I had to just um, do it. Yeah. And the more you do it, the better you get. The same with videos. The more I've got a video studio here in my house, every time I create a video, I get a little bit better. And now I look back on the old ones from a year or two ago. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what a dork. <laughs> I was terrible. But, but, you know, you're just transparently doing what you do. So my advice, if somebody shouldn't be, I don't think you have to become an extrovert. But but if you're too shy to meet people, got to just force yourself through that. But, you know what I mean? Yeah. Would you say, like, for me, I guess, maybe it's not so much as being shy, but it's like you know, I'm speaking with someone and the after, you know, the after I'm just like, wow, you know, it was good, but I'm kind of drained, even if it was amazing, you know? (laughs) Well, I, when I, after every one of my coaching meetings, I'm drained, but I think that I like that. It means I, I gave, you know what I mean? Yes. It's not so much. I don't think it's so much that I'm. That's a good perspective. I'm not fighting my extroversion. I'm, I'm more giving my energy to connect and help that person. That's why I, I, I can't do more than three coaching meetings a day. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I can, but it, then it's just wiped out or yeah. I'm becoming robotic about it. And I don't want to be that guy. Mm-hmm. I want to be, I'd rather have 20 clients and give them all of me than have 40 and, and have to rush through it. No, I love, okay. So I love that. So you kind of like help me out there because I felt like, wow, uh, you know, you see some of these people, right? They're meeting with so many. They have so many like discovery calls and and everything like that, right? <laughs> I can't, I can only probably do like one discovery call, maybe have two meetings, you know, a day, maybe because the next day I am totally gone. Like I need to block that whole day off. <laughs> yeah. And maybe we both could do a better job of pre-screening before we get on the phone with somebody who's, who's uh, brand new because mm. Uh, you know, we, we both run into people that aren't remotely qualified to become clients, but they're looking to talk to you. Yeah. They, maybe they're not, um, you know, ready or yeah. they're not at that level yet, or, you know, they still need to change some of their thinking in order to, to really get the full experience. Right. Yeah. I think it's just, to me, I think it's the burden of, of doing this kind of help mm. that there's, there's an exhaustion to it. Okay. I don't want, I've had other coaching coach trainers tell me you got to wear your shield and all that stuff. <laughs> I'm not doing this to wear a shield. 
<laughs> right? You're just doing it to be yourself and help yeah, someone. <laughs> I, I want to help people. And I, and I declare it as a business, so I, I, I need to get paid for it. But my true motivation is to, to help more people. Yes. More and more people. And if I do a really good job at it, I can build a platform and, and financially be, be paid for, for doing it in a way that makes sense. But I'm not doing it to get rich. I'm doing it to help people. I can make more money in my recruiting business. Yeah. Let's go into when you were in your recruiting business and you said that it took off. How did you do that? I mean, what made you start it? Why? What's up? Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's a good question. So I, I, I knew I was going to leave that job. had no idea what I was going to do. Well, actually, Tom Hill's the one that said to me, let me back up. When I was leaving my job, I reached out to Tom Hill, who I hadn't talked to for a long time. and said, hey, I wondered if you could help me think through what kind of job I should get and help me network with people who might know people who might want to hire me. And he said, sure. He said, right, send me an email. This is classic Tom Hill. Write me an email, let it flow, and write down all the jobs you would love to do, and then write down all the jobs you would not love to do. So it's funny, I did that. I wrote, I would love to be uh, in logistics or supply chain or purchasing or project management or something. And then jobs I would hate to do, never ever would I ever want to do sales or marketing or business development <laughs> or, or accounting or, or finance. And he, he and I wrote that to him. He got it and he goes, all right, let's think through this, but. Hey, have you ever thought of owning your own business? I went, um, well, not since I was like in high school. He goes, well, if, if you ever want to, now's the time. That question caused my brain to crack open. And, and the little, the guy in me who wanted to be an entrepreneur said, here I am. And that one question, that's the power of a question. His question changed my life. Wow. Then I started thinking about it. Wow, I do want to be, I do want my own business. I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I, I knew I, yeah. So uh, I started talking to my good friends about going to business. And before I did, I looked at McDonald's and Taco Bell and Subway. And those take millions of dollars, first of all, and it takes forever to grow them. I didn't have that kind of money. And I had to make money right away. I had three kids in college, or one in college and two in high school or middle school. So two different friends like within the day of each other said I should be a recruiter and I was like what what are you talking about what does a recruiter do so they the recruiter there's different kinds of recruiters there's military recruiters but the recruiter what I'm doing is um, companies hire me to go find employees like if they have an opening for a plant manager they would hire me to go find plant manager candidates and interview them and screen them and narrow it down to top three and then present them. And if they hire one of these people, I get paid a fee. It's called executive search. I was for about eight years, I was an HR guy in my Alcoa days. So I, I, I'd worked with recruiters on the other side of the table, but I had never ever thought about doing that myself because it's sales and it's marketing and it's money. All and the things you didn't want to do. <laughs> all the things I hate. And, and then the more I looked into it and then I got some of my friends who were recruiters, I talked to them about their lifestyles and a couple of them made a lot of money. And I thought, you know, I could do that. 
And I, then I looked in different franchise models. I ended up buying a franchise. It was called Sanford Rose Associates. And I started my business June 1st, 2007 in, in Michigan. And my company I used to work for became my first client. They started hiring people right and left. Still, 10 years later, my best year was my first year. Wow. How did you do that? You just, hey, hey, this is my business, what I have. Yeah. Oh. Like, I called them and said, hey, guess what? I now own a recruiting company. Can I help you with your hiring needs? They're like, yeah, yeah. Can we need a such and such? We need a such and such. And it, it went so fast and so good. And I wrote about it in my book. It's a chapter called The Hubris of Success. I, I thought I was going to be a millionaire. It was. <laughs> I said to myself, why did I wait so long? This is incredible. Money's falling out of the sky. It, <laughs> it was so incredibly easy. Now, I thought, I know I was getting really cocky. I'm sure my wife thought I was an idiot, but I, I was like, uh-huh, that's good. <laughs> and you know what happened in 2008? Yeah, um, the, the economy. The economy went down the toilet. And uh, two of the two automakers went bankrupt. Mm. Nobody, the entire automotive industry put on the brakes. And that's what you were recruited for, right? The automotive industry? Almost 100% automotive. And so it got really hard, really fast. And as it got hard, marriage fell apart, got divorced, paid alimony. I went through a huge uh, period where I grew. I give Tom credit for that because I had a structure, but I grew through it. But, and I got, I humbly realized that I wasn't all that. <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't going to be a millionaire easy. And I learned how to work really hard. And, and I learned how to sell. I, I went to sales training and I learned through sales training that I had tape running in the back of my head of when I was a little boy and my parents hating salespeople. Mm-hmm. My parents hated used car salespeople. My parents hated rich people. And here, here I am trying to be a rich salesperson. Oh, so you had to rework that. While my mom and dad are at the dinner table. And I, that, those weren't conscious, of course, but mm-hmm. going through Sandler sales training, almost everybody has those tapes in their head of some nature around money. And I, I do you reworked feel, it. Do you feel like that prevents people from achieving their goals? From Completely. Getting, wow. Yes. Yeah, I know. And I know for a fact for me, it... It was this artificial barrier between where I was and where I could be being held back by that. I didn't know it till it was kind of like therapy. It wasn't really therapy, but sort of like therapy that I, I went, I figured it out. And then what I had, what I did was I forgave my parents for planting the wrong thoughts in my head. And I go off now, I'm a great salesman. You want to buy it or not? It doesn't matter. (laughs) And if you do, Let's do it. If you don't, I love you anyway. Yeah. But before, before I was afraid to ask. Yes. Because I fear of rejection. But more than that, the fear of being um, bad to my parents. Wow. And you know what? That takes a lot of like looking into yourself and a lot of like really because, you know, we have in those deepest things because we're ashamed of, of those things sometimes. And so that shame kind of puts dirt on what the real cause is you know, and then we, we don't dig up what that real cause is. We think we we put up all these excuses and then we don't know what's really going on. So, wow, that you even realized that that was, that's what it was. That's pretty deep. Yeah, no, and it's funny. It took, and I write about this in my book, it took over like a three-year period, three different people to recommend I needed sales training. 
my, my recruiting company was always was one of the top 10. It was good, but they still could tell I was, I was hiding behind something. And they finally, the third guy said it, I was like, well, darn it. Okay. So I did, I went to training and I was like, it was exactly what I needed. Wow. How it changed can, my life. <laughs> I, I imagine how, okay. So let's say, do you coach people on this? <laughs> but let's say, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Hey, coach me on this one. Let's say, okay, there's a barrier there. You know, how would you take someone from knowing that there's a barrier there to then coming on the other side of that? Well, it depends on what, where the barrier came from. If it's, if you think it's because your parents, when you were a little girl, talked badly about what it is you're trying to do now, then just acknowledge that and, and forgive them. But that's not always a barrier. It could be, um, not, not, not understanding the process, not understanding that your customer, your potential customer needs to have either have a pain that they're, they're trying to fix or a gain they're trying to get after. And if, if you can't tap into either one of those, then there's not a, you're not going to sell to them. Oh, wow. So, um, Sandler training is what I went through. They use this as a submarine process, but it's really, you, you start by understanding the client's situation way before you start telling them what you do. There's a funny story. Um, if you, like if you go into Best Buy, you're going there. Yes. Let's say you, you want to go to Best Buy to buy something and you know what you want and you walk in and some salesman walks up to you and says, hi, Linda, I'm John. What are you here for? I'm looking for this. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, come with me. We have four of those. And let me tell you all about it. Blah, blah. They start talking to me. They're they, wasting their time. <laughs> well, they and they talk so much, say so you end up leaving because yeah. you're just versus you walk in and you meet a, a new guy who's his first day in the job and you he's nice and you say hi Brett and he goes hi Linda what are you looking for uh, I'm looking for uh, such and such oh um, I think we have one of those hang on a second let me go find out uh, yeah we do have one it's back here and then, then the boy says what are you gonna do with it. Oh, really? That's so cool. What do you do? Oh, that's so cool. Oh, wow. That's so neat. How are you going to do that? And, and they're like really interested in you and yes. what you're going to do with yes. it. You're going to buy it. Mm-hmm. You don't need yeah. to be talked into it. I, that, that's what that kind of clicked to me when I'm selling my recruiting services. I, I, I'm much more likely to, to win the business if I'm genuinely interested in my the person I'm talking to is business and, and what's going on in their business. And, what they're looking for and and at the end of that then go oh yeah what well, we can find that person for you mm-hmm. and then they say well how do you do that oh yeah we have this and that and this and that i'm this learning the brochure you know what i mean <laughs> yeah i'm learning because like i sold cars before i what i did i took all of the books of all the cars that they had read every single book like learned about the cars that they had on the lot the thing that they would say to us is that if a client is coming in or a customer is coming in, they're going to buy a car, whether they buy it here or somewhere else, they're going to buy that car. So every person I spoke to, I knew they were going to buy the car. And for me, I thought they're going to buy the car from me. (laughs) And then after that, what I would do is I would ask them, hey, what type of car are you looking for? What? And then what they would give me, well, we want this type of car. Then I'll take them to the car. Like, you know what? I know the right car for you. I'll take them to the car that they, you know, someone, someone they, they wanted. And because I read the books, 
of each car, I knew the little trinkets that actually sold the car. Like, hey, and you know what? There's a cool thing. You, it'll beep when you back up. Oh, or it has an automatic turn key that you can just press the button and it automatically turns on. And those yep. are the things that would sell the cars other than like, because, you know, a car is a car. It's going to get you from point A to point B. But if you know yeah. a little bit of extra. They but I bet you, had you not developed a rapport before you oh, started yeah. and, and you had you, you i'm sure you were very charming and <laughs> you got to know them a little bit oh yes i did and they, they they you they liked you you liked them as a person that you show them the car and it's really great that you, you knew all the the gadgets the cars have but if you led with the gadgets you, you would no if i led forget about it because it, you know does it really fit them you know i took my time and asked what it is that they were looking for Perfect. and then i said Hey, I know the perfect one for you. And I explained why. And because you were already excited to buy a car, I got excited with them. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. that's why, you know, it, it's different from someone trying to be like trying to sell something or someone like generally being excited about the process, yeah. you know, because whenever we're a customer somewhere, I think it's about being excited about that whole process. Right. Yeah. Yep. My, my son, <laughs> by the way, he sells Lexus in Colorado Springs. He's, he's like their number two salesman out of oh, 10 wow. at 26 years old. And he, he, he sells like, like you do. He's, he's all, he's there to help them mm-hmm. and it works perfectly. He knows the cars really well, but it's more importantly, the rapport and the, the honest, transparent, genuine, best interest for the customer. That you're genuinely there to help them, yeah. you know, because for me, okay, they're going to buy a car anyways you know, let me try to give them the car that is best for them. That was the mindset going into it. Perfect. But I find as an entrepreneur, it's a bit different when you have your own products. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. But, 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 but I think the processes are the same. You can't create the need for the person you're talking to if they don't have the need. You know what I mean? Yes, that's true. Um, and our challenge is hard to predict the when. When's the uh, tipping point going to happen? There's Why do you say of, that? Well, no, for me, I, I'm two years into building my online business, and I mean, you know, I'm, it's it's still in in progress, and I'm not holding my breath, putting a date to it. I don't know when it's going to happen. I know it will. In, in the meantime, I get to help people for free. I have a lot of people that I help through my books or through online videos or whatnot. That's fine. But I, I do have confidence and for you as well, that at some point it's going to take off. So there's a, oh, there's a huge you. world out there. And you just, I attract a certain person. A lot of people think I'm just a bagoon and they're not interested in me, but the, the ones that are interested in my story or my path or my vision, they kind of mag- magnetically arrive. I'm sure you have the same thing. Yeah, for sure. I think like I had to learn how to really get on a discovery call because it would drain me. <laughs> like at first I didn't know. I was like, okay, 30 minutes. Let's see. <laughs> it, yeah. it, it was a skill I had to like learn just by trial and error because for me, if they're coming to me, how I feel is almost like that person on the car lot, right? They're going, they're wanting these services and they're going to get it from somewhere. <laughs> right. Right. And another thing we, we got to watch is not price reduce ourselves. Yes. To- yes to a commodity because we're not a commodity. You're, yeah. you're, you're one of a kind. And for the right client, you're worth a lot of money. Another thing I, I had to get over was all the haters out there. <laughs> oh, you have haters. I don't even, 
I have. Oh, yeah. I don't even have haters yet. All I have oh. is like crickets. Well, you, you haven't you haven't tried hard enough yet. <laughs> what, do you, what do you get from the haters? I had, a, I had one guy buy my book, and he, he was in the UK, UK in London, I think. You're probably he right. And he was a coach, and he wrote me like a, a one page essay. Hate, he was so mad. He, my book was stupid and he didn't learn anything new. And he was what? mad at Amazon because they wouldn't, he couldn't return it <laughs> postage. And he just, and he's mad. He's telling me that Amazon's ruining my brand by not allowing free return from, from London. Like, from the UK. I can't believe you took that much time to write that. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? That's a good you way for you to. <laughs> you took it really well because i think only one time i had someone like write something that kind of like threw me off like what and they pretty much said oh um what would god think about what it is that you're doing you know like what what does that mean how you don't even believe in god but you want to tell me how he thinks (laughs) it was one of those i think you should say you know no but we'll never know but i think my god thinks it's pretty cool (laughs) right So we we've talked about Wayne Dyer, right? No. Do you know who Wayne Dyer is? I don't know. Oh, you need to write that down. Yes. Before we even like audience members, before you even give it, get it out, I asked my uh, podcast guest about the resources. <laughs> so Wayne Dyer, W A Y N E D Y E R, is my uh, number one spiritual teacher behind Benji Kelly, and I read a book by Wayne Dyer when I was in college called Gifts from Icus, Gifts like a Christmas gift from Icus, E-Y-K-I-S. And it was a fictional, it's paperback, fictional tale of a a reporter, a lady news reporter from another planet that comes to earth to do a news story on what it's like to live on planet earth. And she lands on the planet earth and she looks around and she's amazed that it looks just like her planet. Same kind of terrain and people and buildings and roads and cars and economy. All look the same. A parallel universe. It looked like that. But then as she started interviewing or looking closer, she started noticing differences. And she started noticing how on Earth there's lots of people that were, were not healthy. Like taking things out of bottles look like they're called pills. But they were taking these things called pills for all kinds of different things. And she'd go up to people and she would say, what's going on? Why are you taking that pill? And there was one person said, oh, it's because I'm, I'm depressed. And wow. she said, what, 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 what is depressed? Oh, I'm just so sad about what happened. I just can't get over it. I have all this regret. I take this medicine to get through. And she goes, what do you mean? Yeah, I just, I can't do that. She goes, well, on our planet, if you did something you didn't like, you can just reverse time and do it over again. Can't you do that here on Earth? No. So you can't go back and do it over again, but but you're you're sick. I don't understand that. They're like, well, sweet is. And then she found other people that were taking different pills for this thing called anxiety. And she's like, and worry. And she goes, what what is that word worry? What what is that word anxiety? And the people say, oh, I'm just afraid of what's going to happen. I'm afraid that that something's going to have bad bad's going to happen in the future. And the late Ica says, well, that's 
Okay, in our planet, if if you're worried about something that's going to happen in the future, you just fast forward and 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 get past it. Wow. And but you can't do that here. No. Well, then what what are you worried about? Why are you taking this pill? That book, when I was 19 years old, rewired my brain around how dumb the emotions of regret and worry are. Wow. Carried with me the rest of my life. And this guy, Dr. Wayne Dyer, is the best. And he made me think about him as he has a great saying. He says that we should be independent of the bad and good opinions of other people. I just did a blog video blog post on this. So the bad, that means the haters out there, we should be independent of that. Like not concern what they think. But the real value is don't be uh, driven by people's good opinions. Don't, don't let your ego, let my, our ego become all about the applause. We do what we do because that's what we do. We, not because people criticize it or because people praise it. So I would recommend anything by Wayne Dyer. Wow. That's, yeah. that's good. Yeah. I remember I um, read a book that really put things into perspective about believing. And it was a fictional book called Enchantment. Hmm. And I remember the the title of the book. I, I forgot who wrote the book, but I, I read it in high school. And, you know, I was a big bookie. I was a bookworm in, in high school. I read tons of books. <laughs> and uh, this one, this particular book really, really kind of got to me on belief because and then when I re- read the Bible, it kind of I kind of like touch on that because in the book there were these snakes, right? It, it was it was talking about like different lands, right? Almost like different worlds, but you can cross it. And what people believed in a certain land is what was real. And so in one land, these snakes were poisonous. In another, they weren't. And so if you were in the one territory and the, that snake bit you, you would pretty much feel the effects of the poison. But if you were in another territory and the snake bit you, Nothing happens. Nothing happens. But wow. because of what the people believed in the area. Wow. Right? And no. I was like, and it was more into, of course, but that I never let that go because I really believe that belief is so powerful and what we believe. Oh, it is. I believe that, you know, it's the difference between if we're going to be sick or or healthy sometimes. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Oh, without a doubt. Wayne Dyer talks about that. He makes fun of people that... They say, you probably know people that you start to get a sore throat and you say, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to catch a cold. And I never say that, I'm, man. I'm it'll happen. <laughs> next, next Thursday and Friday, I'll be home from work or every, every February 8th, I get a cold. It's well, that, of course. Yeah. They're, they're calling they're, it. They're, they're cooperating with that. Yeah. And Wayne Dyer, Wayne Dyer says when, when he, when he starts to feel a scratching against his, his throat, he says, cold, I don't want you. And I know somebody who's waiting for you. So go to the yep. <laughs> that is expecting you every year. Go there. I don't want you. You know I, what? I never get sick, by the way. I haven't been sick in 10 years, maybe. <laughs> I, I, and I am officially not superstitious, so I can say that out loud. I don't get sick. Yeah, I'm not I'm not superstitious neither. And the thing about it is whenever I feel I'm like, no, I don't have time for that. <laughs> I don't got time to get sick. You know, I don't have time for that. So, you know, people can be sick around me. I know I'm not going to get sick. Now, I can't yeah, control I anybody else's. You know, that's why no, with my no. kids, I kind of like shield them a little bit. Yeah. But with me, I know that, you know, like I don't believe I'm going to get sick. So I, I really doubt you know, it. <laughs> and I yeah. don't. No, I, I believe and you have one, too. We both have a magic healing body. Yes, I believe our bodies. Our bodies are meant to take care of stuff. And if, 
if we take care of them, we give them rest and water and good food, more likely than not, they'll, they'll do their thing magically. Yes. <laughs> you know what? I read an article and I don't know how real it is or not. I remember one day, cause sometimes I just read random stuff. I read an article that said that the human body aging doesn't make sense. That's what the article was, was talking about, that it doesn't make sense that in reality, our bodies can withstand years and years, like longer than what we're currently living. Yeah, I yeah. believe it. I believe it, too. I, believe a lot of it. <laughs> I mean, for my my amateur psychologist opinion is so much of it's how we think, mm -hmm. but it's also the toxic stuff in our world. Yes, I believe that. Too. We laughed. We laughed and we laughed. <laughs> we had a great time with Brett. He is just a man with a lot of wisdom. And I am so thankful to have him on the show. And I am so glad for you tuning in and listening. If you like the show, please subscribe. Please, please, please leave a review also because that would definitely help us out. And uh, catch you later. Are you in Raleigh, North Carolina, Chapel Hill, or the Triangle area of North Carolina? You'll hear my babies in the background, but it's okay. Come join us for a workshop and runway show that is meant to amplify your message with your business. We have headshots. We have an amazing lineup, guests and teachers. And we also celebrate with a fashion show that is meant to impact the community and help underprivileged children join an apprenticeship program, shadowing designers and gaining real world experiences. This is something that my heart is all over and I pray and hope that it's all over yours as well. This is going to be an amazing event is going to sell out quickly right now early bird tickets are on sale so go get your ticket and join us in durham north carolina at reef city go to lindamendable.com slash workshop thank you so much for tuning in as always thank you go to lindamendable.com slash workshop Yeah, I want to show you real quick. Did you see my coffee cup? Oh, busy is bad. Oh, shoot. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> so that, that's my, my logo for my busy is bad brand. <laughs> I love it. I'm sorry. It makes me laugh. <laughs> no, you're fine. Brett, where, where can people find you? Okay. On my website, it's coachbrettblair.com. On Twitter, at Coach Brett Blair. On Facebook, at Coach Brett Blair. And on YouTube, Coach Brett Blair. And email is bblair at blairleadershipgroup.com. That's that, it. Oh, okay. And it's all, about the Blair. it's all about the Blair. <laughs> Go to lindamendable.com slash workshop. <laughs> all right.